Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. AgriPod is brought to you by Smart Nutrition Map plus MST. Soil is your most powerful machine. On this episode, a new report is warning of the potential loss in farm income in the billions of dollars if proposed fertilizer reductions come to pass. Myers Norris Penny compiled a report which stated cutting fertilizer use to reduce on-farm emissions would cost growers nearly $48 billion over the next eight years. Karen Proud with Fertilizer Canada said under Canada's A Healthy Environment and a Healthy Economy, the Government of Canada is envisioning a 30% absolute emissions reduction target for on-farm fertilizer use by the year 2030. Proud will explain how MNP used the European Union proposal of a 20% reduction of fertilizer and what the implications would be if Canada adopted a EU model. There has been a significant reduction in oat production because of the hot, dry conditions on the prairies. As a result, we're seeing record prices for oats. It's good news for the farmers who might have oats to sell. But what are the other implications as buyers look to other countries for product? Scott Shields with Grain Millers will discuss current prices and where they're likely to head into 2022. After the break, Karen Proud. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. A new report is warning of a potential $48 billion loss in farm income if fertilizer reductions are required of growers. Karen Proud is the president and CEO of Fertilizer Canada. Karen, why did this organization want to get Myers Norris Penny to put this report together? And I understand the federal government is looking at a 30% absolute emissions reduction target for on-farm fertilizer use by 2030. So uh, that started this whole process? Yes, uh, Fertilizer Canada commissioned this report uh, earlier in the year just for us to get a bit of a sense of potential impact on the um, farming community uh, around possible fertilizer uh, use reductions. Now, the impact is significant, $48 billion. uh, That's what's been stated in the report. But the information was based on existing research done in the European Union. Looked at a scenario that was proposed in the European Union uh, where in response to climate change, they were looking at imposing a 20% reduction in the use of fertilizer. And so looking at that scenario, what would happen if that was done in Canada? And uh, the top line was that uh, between now and Uh, 2030, if we were looking at a 20% reduction in fertilizer use, uh, it would basically mean a $48 billion loss in farm incomes. We've been through another election campaign. Uh, We have another liberal minority government. So how do you expect to move forward uh, with the information uh, in this report, in your conversations with uh, farmers and governments and the industry? Well, our hope is uh, that by undertaking this study, and and I should say the the $48 billion loss in farm income is only uh, related to three crops that that we looked at, 
uh, canola, corn, and spring wheat. Um, my hope is that by our doing this study, uh, the uh, federal government will have a look at its own um, targets of a, of a 30% uh, reduction in emissions from fertilizer use and take a different approach than what they did in the EU. The federal government has not suggested at this stage that they are following the EU approach, but we know, of course, um, any reduction in uh, emissions uh, to that level would necessitate a reduction in fertilizer use. So we're just hoping that this study starts us on a path of being able to really sit down with the federal government, with the provinces, with the farmers and farming community, and really talk about what is practical, pragmatic for this sector um, that, that doesn't result in, in these sorts of devastating numbers. So is your plan then to meet with the federal government to discuss this issue further? Oh, very much so. So, you know, I don't want to give any indication that we are not 100% supportive about actions to address climate change. I think you only have to live through uh, this summer to realize that we really do have to make some some efforts, and, and we're absolutely committed. What we really need to do is sit down and talk about the best way to do this, and, and that's our call on the the federal government is really to sit with the stakeholders, including the provincial governments, um, the the other farm groups, ourselves, uh, the experts, the scientists, and really work out an approach that that makes sense that allows our our uh, agricultural sector to grow, which we know is is a goal of the federal government. Um, so we want a, a a way to to continue to grow our agricultural sector but look at, at what needs to be done at the same time around, uh, around reducing emissions. Now, the agriculture sector is very familiar with the 4R Nutrient Stewardship Program. Do you see these practices as a way of sharing how farmers use fertilizer in, in the most appropriate way? Oh, absolutely. And, and we've been uh, promoting the 4R Nutrient Stewardship for over a decade. We've been working with farm groups and farmers it's a scientifically proven approach to help reduce emissions. It's not the only way. And, and you know, I, we certainly need to sit down with other groups to, to see if there are other practices that help. But for our nutrient stewardship does help to reduce emissions. And I think it's a great place to start and, and to have the conversations uh, with the government on, on how we can really roll that out um, uh, across Canada to, to start to address this this issue. It's a, it's a proven method and, and we want to work very closely uh, with the federal government as we have already been doing with a number of provinces, including Saskatchewan. If Ottawa's plan is to increase agricultural exports to other countries, we've heard a lot about that, uh, but these reductions seem to be a contradiction. So if you want to increase production, reducing fertilizer use, it, it doesn't really seem to make any sense. Well, it's it's at this stage, I think it's an impossibility. So, so we're not going to be able to meet our export targets if we're targeting um, fertilizer reductions. We know you need fertilizer in order to to, to grow crops. We know you need fertilizer to um, to enhance the the yield. So, we believe there there are ways of meeting both our, our climate targets as well as our export targets, and that's the balance we want to strike. And, and 
you know, I have uh, heard and I'm encouraged to hear from uh, the federal government contacts that we have that they want to sit down and, and have these conversations. Um, we're expecting the government to come out with a bit of a white paper uh, in the next little while on this emissions target. And we're hoping we see um, some, some maybe more pragmatic or, or an articulation of, of a pragmatic approach to, to all of this. So I'm assuming then there will be further discussion on emission reductions and and those implications uh, for farmers and for the industry? One of the main goals is we do know that following uh, the election, there is going to be a, uh, a, minist- a federal, provincial, territorial meeting of the ministers of agriculture. And we feel this is a really great place to start uh, by having those sit down and, and engaging um, with the provinces about the best approach for emissions reduction. So we are asking uh, all of the provinces uh, and the agriculture ministers who are part of that table to, to put this on the agenda for the next meeting and, and let's really start the conversations. Karen Proud is the president and CEO of Fertilizer Canada. After the break, like most agricultural commodities, the oat markets continue to skyrocket. Scott Shields with Grain Millers will talk about the unprecedented record prices. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Scott Shields is with Grain Millers. And uh, Scott, uh, we're asking the question today. Is $7 a bushel oats a new record? Uh, Yeah, it definitely is a record for conventional oat prices. It's much more traditionally associated with organic oats. Uh, Lately, with the the short crop, uh, prices have been strengthening. But the, the big portion and why we started to see and hear some numbers in that $7 plus range this week was that there were a couple of, uh, of line companies that were desperately in need of uh, oats to sell trains to ship to a couple of different mills in the U.S. Um, fortunately for us, it wasn't us, but, uh, but definitely with those prices out there in the competitive market, we've got to start looking at, at numbers like that ourselves probably in the near future. Uh, we haven't quite got there yet, but um, these, even if they are only for short bursts, if we see numbers like $7, it uh, definitely getting the farmer's interest, and, and that's kind of the bar that's been set now, I think. So is the ex- explanation for the increase in a prices as straightforward as the, it's a drought-driven and uh, lower production? Definitely. Uh, I mean, it's probably 95% of it. The other 5% is that demand hasn't, has not waned one bit since we've uh, started into this smaller harvest. So how are you feeling heading into those new crop 2022 contracts? Will they be relatively high? Can, considering that the 2021 crop, I think the, the number I heard is at best 60% of what a normal year's production is. I would say 60% is is pretty close to accurate. Uh, we were estimating earlier on that we thought we'd be 50 to 75, but I think we're probably leaning closer to the 60. It's better than we were expecting. Right off the bat, we saw really light oats, but we're and we're still seeing lighter than normal test weights. But uh, we are finding that we are going to be able to work with a lot of the oats that are out there. If your oats could fit into the milling category, the price is definitely 
a lot better than the feed market is. We'll work with guys. We tell producers, you know, make sure you get us good samples. We'll, we'll work with everything we can. And we've talked a lot about the demand for oats linked to the pandemic stay-at-home-and-cook effect. But also, I guess there is another factor on the downside. Um, is it possible the higher price Canadian oats could bring in offshore oat imports, especially uh, U.S.? I don't know that we're at that price level yet, but we're definitely at a supply level where companies we know are are uh, actively importing uh, Scandinavian uh, oats out of Eastern Europe and like the Ukraine, they produce a fair bit of oats. Um, we're, we've been hearing lots of that, and uh, it's, it's gone beyond just being a rumor. Um, there, of course, always is a top price point where they'll force the, the imports to happen, but they're going to happen this year, I think, regardless. If, if we just have that short of a crop and, and that much of an increase in demand. So, uh, you know, we're... We're looking at, um, you know, our, our U.S. mills are, are in pretty good shape at this point, so I don't know that it will be us. That is Grain Millers Canada lead grain buyer Scott Shields, and he is based in eastern Saskatchewan. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of September 27, 2021. G3 Canada announced it will build two new elevators on the prairies. G3 Melfort, Saskatchewan and G3 Rycroft, Alberta will have a capacity of 42,000 tons located on CN Rail. Construction will begin later this year, pending final regulatory approvals with completion expected in early 2023. Both new elevators will be built on the same high-efficiency features as G3's other new facilities in Western Canada, which includes a loop track that can load a 150-car unit train, the ability to unload a Super B truck in less than five minutes, good road access for area producers, and rail links to export markets. G3 currently has 17 grain elevators across Western Canada, including two which opened this year in Vermilion, Alberta, and Swift Current, Saskatchewan. The 2021 growing season has been one of the worst on record for both severe drought and extreme heat. Farmers can add herbicide carryover to a long list of concerns as they prepare for the next growing season. BASF issued an urgent notice to growers for several of their products as the risk of injury from herbicide carryover in sensitive crops is a concern. 19 cattle were seized at three locations as part of a fraud investigation conducted by Alberta RCMP Livestock Investigation Unit and Livestock Services of Saskatchewan. Two purebred black Angus bulls were located following a September 2nd search warrant in the Spiritwood, Saskatchewan area. Additional search warrants in Lloydminster and Thorsby, Alberta, on September 16th, located more animals, which were identified through registered brands and registered purebred tattoos. RCMP said two Alberta men allegedly purchased cattle with a fraudulent check and moved them out of province without brand inspection. They have been charged with fraud over $5,000. Work on the Genesis Fertilizer Facility in Saskatchewan continues to move ahead. The project received conditional approval from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Trade and Export Development for the Saskatchewan Chemical Fertilizer Incentive Program. 
Genesis said the approval is a significant step forward on the option for proposed construction of the Genesis fertilizer urea production at the Genesis Bell Plain industrial site. If the new $1.5 billion fertilizer plant is brought into operation, Genesis would receive up to $225 million in tax credits over a 10-year period. Once underway, construction would create construction jobs for three years and provide over 500 jobs upon completion. The Saskatchewan government is providing significant funding towards the Global Institute for Food Security. The $3.2 million will go to GIF's new engineering biology centre at the University of Saskatchewan. The new centre will help attract investments and companies to the province's agriculture and food sectors. And that university is also going to establish an insect research facility that will study crop pests and beneficial insects. Funding for the research initiative comes from several sources, including the Western Grains Research Foundation. The college will be led by Dr. Sean Prager, the first entomologist in USASC's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. Prager will work with plant breeders at the Crop Development Centre to identify problematic resistant traits to pests. Now is a good time to test for club root. The Canola Council of Canada's agronomy specialist, Ian Epp, said Saskanola is covering the $100 cost for club root testing. The samples are tested in Saskatoon with provincial results announced in early January. Individual field results are kept confidential and will only be shared with the RM if it has a club root specific bylaw enacted. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. AgriPod is brought to you by Smart Nutrition Map Plus MST. Soil is your most powerful machine. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com. Um...